This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here at Asia Torah in the old city of Jerusalem overlooking the Temple Mount. And please go on and join our club, the YomTovMediaClub.com and let's get the word out to as many people as possible. Today we're discussing a word that is, uh, in Hebrew, has no English translation, which is really strange. Because there's only... I mean, how many words have no English translation? English has a lot of words, many more than most languages. And so it's really good at explaining things. And it's even better in Hebrew at explaining things. But there are a couple of Hebrew words that have no translation. And one of those words in Hebrew that has no translation is the word emunah. But it does have a description in English. And the description in English is is, uh, when you know something really well, such that... um, such that you're, 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 you, it's become fully integrated. That would be emunah. And that's why, for example, a, a craftsman is called an uman, because he really knows how to, how to make glass. Or I thought of that because my name's Glazer, which means I'm a great-grandson of some glazer, some meaning glassmaker. And uh, someone who makes pottery, like they can do it with their eyes closed. Their hands just move in the direction of what they know so well. And so... Um, the reason why it doesn't have an English one at all is because they often will use in the English the word believe, believe. belief. Excellent, the word belief, and belief is belief is basically our hopeful thinking. What is belief? Like someone who believes in something is basically it's wishful thinking. Like why would you ever use the word believe unless it's something that is just can't be made proven, can't prove it true, and so it's it's been relegated to a realm called belief. And then the other word used for amune is the word? Trust. Faith. No, not trust. Faith. Faith. But faith in the English language means that, that it's, it's, used, uh, in, it's used interchangeably with the word hopeful. Like, I would hope this to be true. So, like, for example, let's say I, let's say I trust you, and so I would have faith that you would come through and meet me at two o'clock when we said we'd meet. So I have faith in that and and lo and behold, there he is, two o'clock, he's there. And so I was I was rectified in having faith that you would show up at two. You got that? Now you guys have to go? Yeah. You can go. Thanks for coming. I hope you enjoyed the few yeah, minutes you got. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we had we have a tourist. No problem. No problem. Normally we have seats in the back but they yeah. took them away. Shut up. So the fact that you showed up at two meant you were you're you're someone who works in good faith. Now, do you always show up at two when you have an appointment at two? He doesn't. But I'm kind of hopeful and will do my best to show up at two in good faith because I said two as well. So faith seems to be uh, there's more. It's more of a hopeful thing. The word faith. It also uh, generally lends towards blind faith where I don't know this is fact. I mean, it's, it really has a lot to do with belief, where it's kind of relegated to, to, to uh, something I wish would take place, or wish, wishful thinking about there being a God, for example, is a belief or faith. Now, and, and faith would probably be better translated as betachon, by the way. Maybe that would be a better one. Um, I think that would be better. Now, back to a movie. 
Mastery. Mastery. You, you describe mastery, mastery. Yeah, amuna means um, that that I I know it is so, and I and it's an integrated reality such that I move accordingly. I move accordingly, like just like my hands, like in my. Now, does anyone have a sitter here? Is there a sitter? In here? Oh, I think I think there's a sitter in the back of this thing. Does this thing come with a sitter? I think the little ones do. You have a little one. Here, I got one. Oh, she got one. Okay. Thank you, nice lady. Is this yours? Thank you. So, in the evening prayer, in the evening prayer, we use the word emunah. Right after we said Shema Yisrael, and we get to the last, the third paragraph of Shema, and then we say, we say, uh, uh, let me find evening prayer. Aravit. Okay, here it is. So we say at the end, we say, All of that is our emunah. What is all of that? It does, it's a pronoun, so we've got to figure out what is all of that. What is, what is all of that? That for us is emunah. And now here it's where it gets interesting, because this is the definition of emunah. So it turns out it's a colon. Vamunakozot colon what? What's an emuna? And then it goes vakayamalenu. It's established for us. Something that's established for us doesn't sound like the gentile definition of emuna. The gentile definition of emuna was belief. But here it's saying it's established. Something that's established is like these are the facts, man. So this is this is our emuna. And upon us, this is the facts. What's the facts? That God is God, and this whole world's an assimilate. This whole world is a, sim- a digital simulation. Now you're saying, what do you mean? It says digital simulation in the prayer book? Yes, it does. It, and it does it over and over again, and no one ever notices it. What are the words? Who can tell me what this means? Not the first part. The first part is Ki Hashem. Ki Hu Hashem Elokeinu. He is this infinite being, Hashem, which is like a tortilla, surrounding space and time. Elokeinu is filling space and time. That's the name of God, how it fills space and time. And then what's... what's, You guys tell me. What does it mean, Ve'ein Zulasoy? Yeah, well... There is nothing other than him. There is nothing else. Well, then what's all this world then? What is all this stuff? So he said him, right? But I don't see him. In other words, God's creating this world as a digital simulation coming off infinite light that's being, that light's being filtered through an area called the Olamot, Olamot, the worlds, which are these parallel realms, which filter the light down until we ultimately everything kind of coagulates into our world, like everything like jellos into this physical world. But really, it's all God, because God, if all there was was God, so all there is is God, because, right, you know the four second proof of God. Before there was, before there was something, there was nothing, and since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, it must be that nothing was God. You know that one? You've heard that one? Before there was something, there was nothing, and since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, it must be that nothing was God. It's the four-second proof of God. You want to try that? 
No. No, I'm not going to try. Okay. I got it. You got it, though. I got you. Yeah. Anyway, this place is just coagulated God. This is just, you know, this is the, the, it's, it's gelled into our world. And this is considered known. Now, I don't know if our rabbis like new physics and knew that this world actually was coming out digitally. Like, you even watching me right now is happening digitally. Everything you're hearing is vibrational. It goes up to your brain. If your brain takes all the math, and your brain only has neurons, which are either fire or don't fire. They're binary. Ones or zeros. The whole thing's ones and zeros. Everything you're experiencing right now is digital. And they've now digitized taste, which is amazing, and they've digitized sight. and Everything's digitized now. And which means that they ultimately were able to understand this. And to us, this is established as fact. And this is what we call amuna. But it keeps going. It's a fact to us that we are the, his nation Israel, that we're brought out of Egypt, etc. Who has redeemed us from kings. The king, he's the king who redeemed us. All of all our enemies that that tried to hurt us. Um, he took us out of Egypt, etc., etc., etc. All of this stuff is amuna. Amuna means that these are the facts. These are the facts. So it's very different than, for example, uh, religions that pivot off belief alone. You understand, religions pivot off belief. Everything's motivated by, I believe in this. And you want to hear something amazing? Frank? Frank, you want to hear something amazing? Is that the more there's belief in a system, like, you know, just regular belief in things, you'll find force. There's generally more force involved. Meaning uh, machetes or, or whatever, like coercion. In Judaism... Here you have all these extremely faithful people and there's absolutely zero coercion. This is why, for example, um, in order to trust the testimony of a Jew, he, well, he has to be a person of, of uh, exemplary character to be trusted, to, even to testify that he saw a fender bender in the, on the street. You know, a guy hit a parked car and kept driving and, and you saw it. To be trusted with your testimony you have to be of, of a high caliber in character. Well, what's a high caliber of character? And you know what they say? High caliber of character is someone who's Shomer Shabbat. Someone who keeps Shabbat can testify. Why Shabbat? Like, what's the big deal with Shabbat? And the answer is, is that someone who's Shomer Shabbat is Shomer Shabbat, meaning someone who keeps the Sabbath, keeps the Sabbath when he or she is alone. No one's watching. Because, you know, there are people who are like what I call frum friendly or Shabbat friendly who like, they're, you see them at Shabbos tables in the Upper West Side, you know, but you know, you know when they get home, you know, out comes the social media and stuff and it's not hard to notice that when you live in Israel because they sometimes forget and wind up WhatsApping me. You know, and I, it's not e- hard to notice that, you know, it's Moksi Shabbos here. I just did Abdullah and I'm getting, I noticed that my, I've got about five WhatsApps from people who, you know, were ostensibly people I know from Shabbos tables overseas who are texting on Shabbat by accident, texting me, you know, thinking I'm not in Shabbat anymore. And I'm like, yeah, but you are. <laughs> 
So, or he'll see this after Shabbat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see that you're texting me on Shabbat. So, anyway, the um, keeping Shabbat is is the is the is the sign of trusted testimony. It's a sign of trusted testimony because anyone you can trust when he's alone, you can trust when he's not alone because we're all of us are much more better behaved in public than we are in private. You know, like I this morning I got my coffee in the kitchen in my underwear. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, I happen to be Hasidic and wear an undershirt and a long white breeches mm-hmm. kind of uh, you know, these Hasidic underwear, mm-hmm. which are basically knickers. <laughs> you know, and I, I did have my t- sitsis on. I, I don't like walking around my house without my sitsis, so I had my sitsis as well. But that's how I enjoyed my coffee this morning. And um, and you're not going to see me doing that anywhere but my home, you know, in private, in general. The second we have one guest over that morning, I'm not going to be coming out like that. So, so sh- someone who keeps Shabbat is the person you can trust. Because they're the person who, when they're alone, they keep Shabbat. And, and therefore, they can testify. So that's the faithfulness of the Jewish people. Yeah. Why is the focus around Shabbat? Because, like, because rather than any other action you do alone. Just because Shabbat, Shabbat pushes you harder when you're alone. Like, for example, there's people who eat kosher in the house and not kosher out of the house. Mm-hmm. But in the house they eat kosher. But there are people who, it's the opposite with Shabbat. There are people who are showing Shabbat outside the house but not in the house. There's something about Shabbat when you're alone that's harder to keep inside the house. I've heard the funny stories often from people raised either Sephardic or Hasidic whose parents told them that if they broke Shabbat they would die. It's not funny, by the way. Baruch So what happens? Kid's in the bathroom by himself. Accidentally hits the light switch. Light goes out, pitch black. They think they're dead. The kid's like, oh my gosh, I died. Because they can't see anything. It's just a little kid. And then the kid, after a while, realizes, you know, like he's been studying Descartes all of a sudden. He's like, wait, maybe I exist. (laughs) Oh my, I'm not dead. And so they turn the light back on. Because they see that, like, what their parents told them isn't true. You know, it's like Santa, you know. There's no Santa coming down chimneys. And, and so they turn the light back on. And, and they see they're still alive, even turning a light on on Shema. And then they go like this. Then they're just like... Like, what else did they tell me that wasn't true? Now, emuna is juxtaposed to another word that's called that's called a bitachon. A very different uh, word. So we have emuna. Emuna means living with the facts, and then there's bitachon. Sorry, emuna means there are facts. Those are the facts, and bitachon bitachon is living with the facts. In other words, in other words, you're, you become fully integrated with the facts. Okay? 
So Muna is the facts, but Tachlan's living with the facts. So, so for example, a woman can know she's married, that's a Muna. But to be able to trust her husband such that she can, you know, be totally relaxed around his, let's say, his going to his high school reunion by himself to America. You know, his 30-year high school reunion where all the lonely, drunk divorcees are. <laughs> That's what 30-year reunions are all about, is lonely, drunk divorcees. So, and of course, all of them want to explain how they had a crush on him, you know, when he gets to the reunion. At the two in the morning after party. So, anyway, the so for her to sleep well is the tough Understand? She knows she's married. He knows he's married. Everyone's there's a moon in there. That's no. That's like craftsman stuff. They've been married for whatever twenty years already. But living with the facts that she sleeps well while he's at the reunion is the and we're always, this is the much harder part. I Meaning there are people who don't have a Muna. Meaning like, I was raised without a Muna. I had to come to Asia Torah and learn about God. Understand, Frank, can you imagine having to learn about God as an adult? Crazy. Like, that's, that's the one gift parents can give their kid is just like, lock in the God thing for the kid before their mind gets so developed as atheists and then later have to kind of work backwards. You know, that's rough. <laughs> it's, and I don't, I'm not even sure it works. That, that's part of the reason why I'm Hasidic and, and do ecstatic prayer in Mea Sharim every week, is that I'm thinking if I pray loud enough, it might go in from the, you know, the atheist upbringing. So, uh, so, uh, so far I haven't gotten anywhere with that. Uh, yeah. So I, I have not succeeded. So I guess I'm not really Balchuva yet. But I'm not sure it'll ever go in. I, is it ever going to go in? You know, and, and the crazy thing is I'm like considered an expert because everyone wants to hear me talk about it, about God. Like everyone wants to hear me talk about God. But meanwhile, the people I'm talking to have much more Muna than I do because they have that built-in thing. Mine's knowledge. I've got like, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's not the stuff in the bones, you know. By the way, uh, this, we talk on which is also called, this does have an English translation. It's called trust. I mean, you guys know the famous joke where the guy flies off the cliff and he's yelling, is anyone up there? Is anyone up there? Is anyone up there? And finally God says, I'm up here. And, and, the, and the guy is like, okay, save me. And God says, let go of the branch. Show me you trust me. And the and the guy's like, is anyone else up there? <laughs> so I was uh, visiting Hebron, the city of Hebron, and outside Hebron, where the cave of the patriarchs is, there's a city called um, Kiryat Shemot, Kiryat Arba. Yeah, the the uh, Kiryat Arba, the the city of the four. Who are the four? The four. Uh, couples, Adam and Eve are buried there. Avram and uh, Sarah are buried there. Yitzhak and Rivka are buried there. And Yaakov and Leah, Leah are buried there. And while well, Rachel's buried uh, in Beit Lechem on the way to Hebron. And so that she'll cry for the Jewish people when they get ripped out of 
into exile by the by the various the Roman and Babylonian exiles. She would cry for us, and maybe her dear children would be brought back to their borders, the, the you know the Holy Land. And uh, the, I just thought of an amazing question I've never thought of before. Where are Zilpa, Bilhan Zilpa, B and Z? Where are they? Where are Bilhan Zilpa buried? Ever thought about that? That's a little weird. While we're on it, where's Shlomo? Shlomo built this city. Like, of anyone, whoever should have had a nice tomb, it should have been Shlomo. Where's Shlomo buried? <laughs> this is a city. Like, should have been like way beyond. Like, there was never a king as rich as he was. And he ruled over Jerusalem. He had a thousand father in laws <laughs> who were ki- the kings of the world. Like, if anyone should have had a tomb, it should have been him, but no one seems to know where he's buried. Even King David, you know, King David was a heavy hitter. And his tomb is, uh, you know, even though we all know where they say his tomb is, but you see it's not treated as if it really is it. it, it it's treated as if it may be it. That's the way it's treated. So these are mysterious questions. I don't know where Bill Hans Zilpar buried. And they're not even mentioned, their deaths weren't even mentioned in the Torah, which is also interesting. They, 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 that, I mean, we have many other deaths that are mentioned that were not as important as the mothers of the of the tribes. Like they, like you would think those deaths would be like important to know about and where they were buried. Nothing, nothing in there. First time I ever thought about that. You ever thought about that? Yeah, a little, little uh, what do you call it? Admonition. Uh, what's it called when you? I don't understand the people building themselves. What's it called when you? When you're missing something? Yeah, the, the names of the people you're talking about now. Bilhan Zilpa, yeah. Bilhan Zilpa. Zilpa. Okay, I, I wonder, I'm sorry. That's cool. Okay. Am I the only one? Adam, uh, Jacob married uh, okay. Rachel and Leah, not in that order. Yeah. And they came with their handmaids, and he married the handmaids as well. Yeah, yeah so I remember that. Yeah. Okay. So I, oh, so I'm visiting Kariat Arba, and I'm thinking, like, because, you know, this is like heavy duty heavy duty radical Islam like terrorism area the all the surrounding area there is like that's where like the more radical elements of the Palestinians are over there so I mean would you which one do you need the most of here or would you say both <laughs> like would you live there if you didn't have a Muna in our whole narrative of Judaism would you ever live there no. So therefore, you never have to go to Bitochon because you never live there. You get that? just wouldn't happen. So here I am. I get into Kirat Arba, and I'm thinking, wow, these people are like really like, they got it all. You know, they got the Amuna, they got the Bitochon. And we pulled in our car. I park. And a guy comes pulling in right next to me after work. It was the evening. A guy pulled in right after work. Gets out of his car. It's a, it's a bald, keepa-free Russian. So I go up to him and I'm like, hi, my first time here, you know, how you doing? He's like, great. And I said, you, you live here? He's like, yeah, said, but you don't have a kippah. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a believer, really. And I'm like, what do you mean you're not a believer? Well, like, I believe, but I'm not like, I'm not observant. I don't keep tucker. I don't live the life of Judaism. And I'm like, okay. I mean, aren't you a little scared to live here? He's like, are you kidding? There's a whole community of us living here. Uh, of secular people from Russian descent live down here. 
And I'm like, well, where do you work? He said, we all work in Jerusalem. You just drove, I mean, I just came in an armored bus. <laughs> you just drove this car straight down to here, and he's like, every day, twice a day, you know, up and back. And I'm saying, well, aren't you afraid? And he says, God's watching. You know, <laughs> you know if he wants something to happen to you, it's going to happen to you in your kitchen. And he doesn't want something to happen to you, it's not going to happen to you on the highway to Hebron. Okay. So that Shabbos, I was in uh, Miron by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai with my Hasidim from uh, Me'a Sharim. We, we go once a year to his, to his tomb in the north. And we're at the tomb, and it was after Shabbos afternoon, long afternoon. It's coming up actually in another three weeks, Parshas Pinchas. We're going to, uh, we're at the tomb, and we have a long afternoon. So I decide I'm going hiking. And I ask some of these little Hasidic teenagers if they'd like to come hiking with me you know just up into the forest and uh, and they were they were excited about that so they came with me and we're all talking and we're walking and talking and walking talking walking. we get down from the the tomb on the left side of the tomb has a steep hill with little switchbacks gets you to a can uh, like the bottom of the canyon and then you go into the forest so we get to the park you cross the dirt road into the forest I'm walking on, talking, walking, talking, walking, talking, until I finally realized there's no one with me. Where'd they go? Where'd those guys go? So I, I look back, and I see back there, they're all waiting at the edge of the forest, like 20 feet back on the road, this dirt road at the bottom. So I go back to them, and I find them on the dirt road, and I said, what happened to you guys? You, you know what they said to me? They said to me, We're scared. what? And like, well, we've never really hiked into the forest before. Now, these are real urban Hasidic boys from Yeshiva. I'm like, you never hiked in the forest? Okay. So we got a first hike into the forest. Great honor to be the one to take you to do that. And what are we exactly expecting might be in the forest? And they're like, we don't know. That's the problem. <laughs> we don't know what might be in there. And I'm like... And so here, only a few days earlier, I was in Hebron... <laughs> With a guy who, like, is he's not like a big balamune here. He's, a, he's got a lot of batafon, not a lot of amuna. He doesn't live his life at all based on the facts there. Yet he trusts totally. Now I've got these kids, these Hasidic kids, who are, their amuna is so intense. I mean, part of the reason I love the community is, like, praying next to these boys. They'll cry while they pray, and they're... And their belief in God is so complete and total. There is nothing else. And and we'll do like ecstatic prayer for like three hours straight with the teens there. And their kashrut level is like the highest level of kashrut, meaning kosher. And and their their Torah study is like, on vacation they still learn four hours straight every morning without lifting their head. It's a whole competition who can keep their head down the longest. My son actually won. I raised my son and he had six hours straight uh, day after day he was doing six hours straight never lifting his head Whoa. Yeah, you should see what he looks like now he's like <laughs> just kidding um, being my son he is like and it's amazing how they turn such a dysfunctional thing into tourists you know what they tell the boys they tell them because what happens I sent my son to school with a stender a stender is like English it stands your book up so you can keep your head where it belongs which is the center of your shoulders 
So I sent my son a shtender. The Rebbe gave it to him for bringing it. He says, bring this home. And, uh, and the Rebbe says to him, we bring ourselves to Torah, not Torah to us. <laughs> and my son's like, he's a little kid. He's like, no more shtender. And uh, so the shtender came back to my house. I used the shtender. And the... Uh, and the but it's like it's almost like we're going to create a worldview that somehow makes it holier to be in horrible posture for hours on end. But then again, look at our secular world today. I, I just saw a guy today, like completely, like it was at the mikvah. I mean, he, he doesn't realize that we take off our clothes and we go in the water. This guy was sitting there for at least forty-five minutes, fully dressed on in the changing room, texting. And his whole body's like crumpled over. He never moved his body posture for 45 minutes. You know what I'm talking about? That people just be like this for like really long periods of time. Anyway, um, so here are these kids who have like tons of amunah and no betachon. And here is this Russian guy in Hebron who had tons of betachon and very little amunah. Which really sets the goal in front of us. What's the goal in front of us? Is to get these facts into your bones and then trust in the facts and live it. Get the facts in the bones, trust in those facts, and live it. What's better? What's that? What's better? No, they're, they're friends. They're not, you don't choose one or the other. I was just... If you could choose the moon or... The if you had to choose? Uh, is better. Yeah? Moon is better for various reasons, but one of the main reasons is that you only get in the next world whatever it is you believed in. When it, so what if you believed in and didn't have it? So you're busted for not acting on it, but at least you believe. Someone who doesn't believe in God at all, it's a pretty scary thought, but they could actually wind up with nothing because they missed the main point. Now some say that, that, that all one's mitzvahs are erased if they don't believe in God. Meaning, when I say believe, I'm not talking about the Gentile version of belief. Meaning, someone who's like real with the facts, that there's a God. That's what we mean by Amuna. So someone who has never got real with it because they're raised like me, and they never even studied the subject, and you just never bothered because they just figured maybe my, maybe my alcoholic, workaholic father is right about there not being a God, which is like this, like why, how is it possible a man who's never, ever really invested any time into Judaism should have any influence over your thoughts about God. Yet every father has huge influence over your thoughts about God. <laughs> you ever thought about like why do you have, why would you allow your father any influence over your thoughts about God? Unless, of course, your father spent a lot of time, like you can look at his resume and there's like a year or two dedicated to this extremely complex subject. And here we have almost no one's father is doing that yet deeply influenced by a man who's cannot be considered any more no offense to anyone's fathers but any more than an ignoramus on this particular topic it's great yeah that's what parents are parents are just like God the parents are God you know and and the uh, okay so uh, anyway but here's the scary thought is I've met people who do the commandments but never got to the God thing. So do the commandments mean anything if you weren't doing them in a relationship with God? Whatever, that's an interesting question. Um, you're going to ask that question in private when I walk out because um, it's 10 after 4. I'm way over time. I've 
bid everyone a beautiful day, shalom. And Rabbi Nekemar is next. He does a little concert too. And he's one of our really fabulous rabbis. Shalom, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.